Welcome to The Read Along. A mini book club for your ears. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one one chapter chapter at at a time. time. Do you like talking about movies? Do you like talking about mediocre movies? Do you like talking about how you could have fixed mediocre movies? Well, I certainly do, and you can listen to me, Scott C. Bourgeois, along with my co-hosts Greg Beaver and Liam Kreswick, as we give our notes, and I have some notes. You can follow it now on your podcatcher of choice, or support it by visiting patreon.com slash I have some notes. So it's the 1st of May, (laughs) and uh, when we record, I should say, and uh, the temperature has hit near 30 degrees today. Yeah, uh, the last, the highest I saw was from the car, the thermometer said it was 27 degrees. Yeah, so it's a little early. It's going to snow next week. It could, uh, (laughs) the way things things have been swinging. Also, it's like bone dry, because we've had very little precipitation. Freakishly dry. And very windy. So there are already wildfires burning out of control uh, all over the place in Alberta. Our home, ladies and gentlemen. It's a good time. So, yeah. Hooray. (laughs) It's been, oh, it's been a week. Yeah. If um, we're talking a little quieter than normal, uh, I apologize due to just the craziness of the past few weeks. Uh, This recording session is uh, happening in the evening. And also in the kitchen studio, which means we are but one floor removed from our children. So uh, we are, who are sleeping soundly right now. We are now. trying not to wake anybody. Indeed. So uh, that is the case right so, now. Welcome to a very intimate session yeah, of the, the read-along. The read-along after dark. <laughs> Still rated PG. Of course. Just giving you a heads up on that situation. To the book? Sure. To the book! I guess we don't have much preamble this week. Yeah, so a brief recap of chapter two of our novel, in which the queen goes and gets a little bit more in the way of details about what's going on, uh, goes about her day, has a little snack with Prince Philip, who's going on a little vacay with the promise to bring Her Majesty back some fudge. (laughs) And that leads us into chapter three of The Winds Are Not by S.J. Bennett. So this is an interesting chapter because it gives us a couple different quick kind of snapshots of a couple people who, at this juncture, are probably all prime suspects. Yes. With the exception of the queen, who we also are back with the queen. We know she's our detective, right? Yeah. So it's fine. (laughs) I'm pretty sure the queen didn't do it. But um, as this death appeared to be accidental, at least at first, the party goers have been allowed to leave Windsor Castle. Everybody's gone home, and we start by catching up with Meredith Gostolo, possibly Gostolov. It's possible the W is pronounced V. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. And she is of Russian descent. We are assuming she is the actress of Russian descent. So it could be Gostolo, it could be Gostolov. Not 100% certain. Might look into that. Didn't look into that before this. That's okay. Either I've been way, calling her Meredith. <laughs> yeah. Either way, she's taken an Uber back from Windsor Castle to her, like, downtown London flat. <laughs> And uh, is cursing herself for the expense, but keeps thinking like, well, you know, you go to a fancy dinner and an overnight sleepover at Windsor Castle, and then one thinks of oneself as above 
trivial expenses, and it's only after you get home that you're like, oh, I just spent $200 on an Uber. <laughs> Oops. Whoopsie. Well, also, she's been referring to herself as one. Yeah, because it's she's like... in the royal mode. Yes, exactly. Having been rubbing shoulders with Charles <laughs> and and the queen. I ended up feeling really bad for Meredith by the end of her her little snippet. I really did. The poor thing. She's, she's a hot mess. She's a hot mess. Yeah. Yes, exactly. She's physically feeling rough, mm -hmm. right, from her night out. Mentally, she's kind of falling apart. Yeah. When she showed up fashionably late for the breakfast in the first chapter, she had kind of like an air, a mystique about her. And we can now see that that's very much put on. Yeah. Because she is um, struggling with the fact that she's reaching middle age and is having trouble squaring that with the fact that she still feels like a young woman on the inside. I loved her description of herself, that she is a young woman in an old woman's body. And she's not even that old if she's just hitting menopause. Right? Yeah. That's like, not... she's middle-aged, but obviously she's a career actress. She's feeling older than she probably is. Absolutely. She's also struggling with, like, this weird feeling of both being lonely and being happy being alone. Right? Yeah. That's, There's that's a dichotomy fun. that that Absolutely. comes up in this as well, where she's like, "Ugh, if I was, if I had someone, yeah, a they might have would been, be looking after me. They'd be giving me a sober second thought, but then, ugh, I'd have a partner I'd have to look after. Yeah, she wants someone to care to, about somebody. She and... wants someone to dote on her, but she doesn't want to have to dote back. Yeah, that's, that <laughs> seems pretty accurate. And she thinks evasively a little bit about the night before. She has a couple thoughts which were like, ugh, what happened last night? Yeah, how things are different now. Yeah. Right? I, I realize it's written that way to cast suspicion by yeah. the end of the chapter, Absolutely. right? Uh, it seems too obvious. I think something that she's embarrassed about happened to her. Pretty sure she's not our murderer. Hard to say. But <sighs> yeah, I also get the impression that, that it was probably that she's just trying to forget something embarrassing that happened. Yeah, right? Something happened that she's maybe not proud of. Maybe she maybe she threw herself at a younger man and feels embarrassed about that. Maybe. Like yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe she threw herself at uh, at Maxim Brodsky. We find out his first name is Maxim. Yes, because he's you know talented and young and yeah. handsome. Or she had a little too much to drink, as I'm sure many of them did. That's and the implication, yeah. You know, did something she's embarrassed by. Yeah. Right? Um, after catching up with Meredith, we cut to Yuri and Masha on the ride. Back to where they're staying. Ugh, speaking of hot messes. Yeah, and My this God. pretty much confirms what you suspected in the first chapter. This is a marriage that has gone sideways. Oh, like, there is a, so much worse than I initially thought. There is a gulf between these two people, and they are not talking about it. Wow, are they're, these two in a horrible, horrible cycle of just toxicity? Yeah. Wow. Um, Masha is... Clearly intimidated by Yuri, and Yuri is off-put by Masha. Right. He he interprets her being kind of afraid of him as her being cold to him, and that makes him come on stronger, which yes, just makes exactly. her more scared of him. It's this horrible cycle. He's terrible to her, right? Mm -hmm. He berates her, right? That whole bit about how all these horrible things that she did that was wrong, right? And somehow him losing money is her fault. Well, not just that. Um, he apparently, like tore a strip off of her about how 
he was embarrassed by her at the breakfast. Right. And then she mentally lists all of the things that he did that was embarrassing. Because he was actually kind of worse. Because he was actually being a total bore. Yeah. So he's terrible to her. So she puts up a wall, the wall, right? He reads that as arrogant and cold. Yep. And so vows that he's going to like, be even more terrible. Yeah, exactly. So he's terrible to her. And it, it's just building and building and building and building. And these two are awful. Yeah. To the point where he, like, surprises her with news that Brodsky has died. Just to get a reaction out of her. Yeah. Well, because he obviously assumes that they're having an affair. That, even though he doesn't say it outright. I get that impression as well. Right? Because he is expecting her to be upset. Yeah. That her supposed lover has died. And she is upset, but... Possibly because it's just someone that she liked died. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's it's all bad. The, the note I wrote myself is, this relationship is so toxic, you can taste it. Like, reading this chapter left a bad taste in my mouth. There you go. Yuri still comes across as someone who might very much have had motivation and created an opportunity. Oh, we're going to talk about that later. So, Don't you worry. Yeah. Those are the kind of like prime suspects we catch up with. Again, we, we have the guest list which includes a couple other people, but we don't know what's up with them yet. So instead, we come back to the queen. Yes. She's on her way to like do some business later in the afternoon. She's already uh, spent the morning with her racing manager trying to get her mind off of the unpleasantness. Right. When Sir Simon sends word to have her come back because something has come up. It's urgent. Yeah. And she's like, well, it must be urgent if he's like, sent someone halfway across the castle to go and get me. So she starts heading back and she bumps into... The governor. the Basically the person who is the head of household for the castle. And apparently he's been having a meeting with some... Um, we're going to just call them spies. Totally, absolutely, right? Yeah. I mean, the queen certainly reads it that way. We don't read it right this second, but like by the end of the chapter, as soon as he starts talking about like international affairs... Yeah. I'm like, oh... Oh, he's meeting with, like, spies. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Sir Peter Venn is apparently um, a man with a, a storied military background. Yes, that she knows very well. Yes, and cool. the um, the other people who he's with all seem surprised and a little embarrassed that they've run into her. Okay. Or maybe a little starstruck. So the governor is giving... The, the, he, he's giving spies. a tour, basically. He's giving yeah. his tour, his, a tour to these spies. Yeah. Who goes to visit Windsor Castle knowing the queen is there... In, like, a tracksuit and runners. Well, that would explain why he's probably a little embarrassed. Also, it's possible he was called in very last minute. We don't know the circumstances behind this meeting. We don't know what this meeting was about. The, okay, fair enough. But still, like, oh, my dude. <laughs> Put on at least a nice shirt. Having uh, had a, an amusing little aside with this the little group, which certainly will come up again, because... My assumption is that the laws of conservation of narrative indicates that uh, Sir Peter and this group of spies may come back into the story at some point. Oh, yeah. One doesn't dedicate an entire page of a chapter <laughs> for no reason, right? Yeah. The queen makes her way back to Sir Simon and is like, so what's up? Simon is, he, he's becoming comic relief for me already. Three chapters in. He's a babbler. Well, yeah, but he's like... He's trying to break delicate news to the elderly monarch, and he knows she wants to know, but he's trying to be, like, proper and British about it. <laughs> I know. That's what's so funny is that he just, he kind of babbles away on this tangent that he does not want to go down, that he kind of didn't have to. A little bit. <laughs> but he did. 
kid anyway. Yeah. It's like this is an awkward conversation and it's going the wrong way and I can't stop. It's just funny to me to listen to him talk because he's so wonderfully awkward. The long and short of it is that there has come to light some new evidence. Uh, apparently, the staff at Windsor Castle kind of like leaned on the coroner to look into this and get it like sorted out quickly yeah. so that like the unpleasantness can go away. And the coroner was like, oh, this this certainly does not look like an accident. This kind of looks like murder and reported that back. And now Sir Simon is in the awkward position of telling Her Majesty the Queen. So basically, this looks like it might have been staged because number one, dude's neck was broken. And the queen is like, yes, I've, I've, I've read, I've read detective novels next break all the time. And he's like, yes, but more than that, um, it looks like he was, it shouldn't have from the way that he was set up. And more importantly, it looks like he was tied up after he was already incapacitated or dead. And the queen is like, oh, fascinating. Her mental process goes more along the lines of, well, that means that there was possibly a murderer running around the castle the other night. And that is bad news. Yes. But rather than go into immediate mystery solving mode, because we know that the queen is our detective, uh, instead she's like, well, I trust the people at MI6 will handle this. And in the meantime, I'm going to go have me some more gin because it's (laughs) gin o'clock for Her Majesty the Queen. It's been a day. (laughs) She needs a drink. And that's where we end the chapter with with QE2 yeah. going to get uh, going to get a second drink actually. She's already had one. <laughs> so, here's something that kind of stuck in my craw about this chapter. Okay. About this this murder specifically. Mm-hmm. It was dressed up to look like a suicide. Yes. So, we don't know whether or not the death was accidental or premeditated. Or premeditated, but we do know that it is staged. Whether or not Maxim Brodsky was murdered in a, a moment of passionate peak or if this was coldly premeditated yeah. might depend on if someone like a meredith or someone like a yuri is the killer right either way someone is trying to cover this up yes however someone died at windsor castle while the queen is staying there it's national security yes somebody died so like, if it was accidental, why would you bother covering it up? Because you know you're going to have to deal with MI6, right? If you're someone who is high profile and potentially has a lot to lose, that might be motivation enough to try to dress it up as an accident. I guess. Like, hypothetically. This is not me opening the accusing part. We dusted it off. We've pulled <laughs> the sheets off the furniture. Well, We've lit a fire. The grandfather clock I'm, is wound. I am not ready to burst into the accusing parlor yet. But I will say hypothetically meredith she's an aging actress obviously concerned about her career Mm -hmm. she needs to cover it up she would need to cover it up she would think that she needs to cover it yeah because her life would be over hypothetically if yuri was the killer suspecting that maxim was sleeping with his wife looking for an opportunity to get him into a compromising place where he could off him kills him at windsor castle having had him invited there because it was an opportunity makes it look like an accident because he doesn't want it to look like murder I'm using those two extremes because at the moment, if Meredith was the killer, my assumption would be an accident. If Yuri was the killer, my assumption would be premeditated. Yes, exactly. What I'm saying is you must have calculated somewhere in your mind that you would have to be dealing with MI6. But maybe not. These are guests to Windsor Castle. Meredith is British, but Yuri and 
Masha are both Russian. Right. They're visitors. So they might not know. I'm just saying our murderer should have detailed better. Well, yeah. <laughs> because this... I I am also going under the assumption that it was premeditated, that someone has planned this murder. They needed to detail better because it needed to come off as an accident because of where you were and who you were with, right? Like that is some kind of genital fortitude to to have the gall to murder someone at Windsor Castle while the queen is there when security is at its peak, right? Like that's that's brave and or really stupid. But, I mean, it's also like perhaps a, the best place to try to murder someone. Maybe? Because... I mean, a crime of because, passion is a crime of passion. It doesn't matter where you are. But I'm just saying that there has to be a bit of the arithmetic, which is like, no one would expect someone to murder someone in the queen's house while the queen is there. Because security will be at its peak. Exactly. So, if the assumption is that someone would have to be crazy to do that, I'm just crazy enough to do that. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, I know. It just... I'm just saying, it's not sitting quite right. It is possible it was an accident. Yes, it is possible. I don't know that it's very probable. Mm -hmm. Also, it's a detective novel. It's true. And we only have the beginnings of clues. Yeah, we're only in chapter three. So we've established that Meredith is sus because she's talking about the change that happened last night. Mm -hmm. But I've already said, I think that's a red herring. I don't think she's our murderer. Hard to say. Yuri is sus because he is suspecting an affair, which gives him motive. And he's a jerk. And he's a jerk. And he also was the person who suggested that Maxim Brodsky be invited, which means that he could have been creating an opportunity. Yes. Right? So he's our most sus. Yeah. Because you need means, opportunity, and motive. That's the fire triangle of murder, right? Mm -hmm. So. So he's, at the moment... At the very beginning of our of our mystery here, he is our most likely suspect. He was my most likely suspect in the. If I was going to make an irresponsible accusation <laughs> in chapter one, I would have been accusing Yuri. Well, that's just it. It seems too obvious at this point, right? Like they're setting him up. They're really front loading him, right? A bit. With setup, so it feels too obvious. And Masha may have had opportunity. I don't know that she would have had motive. Maybe. She certainly wasn't acting at breakfast like someone who had just committed a murder. And she reacted pretty strongly to the news that he was dead in the car. Now, that could be play acting. She could be very good at play acting. Maybe. Yeah. But she comes across as not the person who committed a murder at the moment. No. If I'm not going to go into the accusing part, but if I was... I would honestly put up Masha because she is our least likely suspect at the moment, which oh. makes her the most suspicious. But that is, of course, wildly irresponsible, which is what we do best. It's true. Well, let's not forget that we also have been name dropped a uh, hedge fund guy, Jay Hacks, we know nothing about. Correct. And, of course, the most suspicious person at that dinner was Sir <laughs> David, David Attenborough. Attenborough. So, Wait, you not, not the Archbishop of Canterbury? No, the Archbishop of Canterbury was a great conversationalist <laughs> who was brought in to be a great conversationalist. He's a man of God. Yeah. He would never. Meredith was rubbing shoulders with him for a few hours, talking about cool stuff. And she's like, over the moon about it. He's the Archbishop of Canterbury. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, if we're not going to be going into the full accusing parlor at this time, because neither of us is is quite ready to make a full a fully irresponsible oh. accusation. <laughs> this is other this than, is a half assed irresponsible than, accusation already. Other than impugning the reputation of poor Sir David Attenborough. <laughs> uh, 
Um, we'll kind of wrap it up there. Um, so you'll want to read up on chapter four in time for next week. Uh, in the meantime, uh, while you're waiting for that episode to drop, you could give a little rating and review to this episode on your podcatcher of choice. We appreciate you. Yeah, you can also fire us off uh, a missive, a, t- <laughs> uh, a telegram uh, via the social medias. An electronic message of some kind. <laughs> we are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. We are at the read-along for most of those, so we're pretty easy to find. Yep, you can also send us an email. Absolutely. Send your digital love to thereadalong at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we love you very much, and we'll see you next time. One is suspicious. Thank you for joining us on The Read-Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois. All read-along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read-Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com.